Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Notorious Women Podcast. I'm Lavetta. And I'm Miriam. And this is Notorious Women, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, this is so much better. Just so you guys know, we have mm. been having technical problems. Mm-hmm. As soon as we would like hit record, <laughs> Miriam's like Wi-Fi would start acting up. <laughs> It's my fault, you guys. It's me. That's 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 true. Call me up. No, listen. I... Go ahead, darling. Listen, I pay so much money for this Wi-Fi. So much money. Why? 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 I. You know, I think there's a ghost in. Mm. Wasn't there like a, a a story or something about a ghost being inside an electrical thing? Like, I swear, like there's a ghost in Outlook. There's a ghost in mm-hmm. like um, um, PowerPoint. <laughs> There's a ghost in these things. Is there That's a ghost why. in my router? In my router? I think so. I'm gonna I think so. fucking sage that router. I think there's a ghost like, remember the others when we're watching them and then you realize, okay, spoiler alert, people, but you realize that they're the ghost and they're living in okay, somebody else's house. Okay, that movie's like literal 20 years old. I think and it's it totally okay. Is, but it's such a great twist because you're like, oh, oh my God, no. I know. No. Oh my God. I remember watching that movie. Oh my God. Okay. I lived in a first floor apartment in Brooklyn, like- Oh God, like 20 years ago, whenever it was like out, right? I don't know, maybe like 17 years ago. And my boyfriend, (laughs) who is now my husband, really wanted to see this movie. And so I was like, okay, I, so on the ground floor means you hear all the, this is Brooklyn. So there's cars and there's noise and there's people all the time right outside your window. I was so scared the entire time. It was terrifying, but also I loved it. I loved it that so much. That twist, though. We're like, Girl. what? Yeah, I was so. like, I was like, turn on the lights. I need a minute. I know. And then I'm we totally could scared of cat. Like, yeah, I can't watch. I know everyone's raving about Megan. I cannot watch. I cannot watch anything about exorcisms or Mm-mm. fucking dolls. Oh, Hell no. no. Listen, I have nope. children. I have children with dolls. Oh, no. So I do not. Nope. Mm-mm. You know what I do? I am I am the basic bitch that when I go into a room and there's a freaky doll, I will turn the doll around. Like I am that basic bitch. <laughs> I'm a scaredy cat. I, I I don't know how to phrase this, but I I see that about you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Screw you. All right. I think on that note, we should get started. I love you so much, Lavetta. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Whatever. I know I'm a basic bitch, but you can't say I'm a basic bitch. Um, so. I hear you. That's fair. All right. Let's jump into this. Right. Uh, I believe I'm first this week. Um, so I, for those of you who are kind of new to the podcast, the way it, it, it's set up, every week we meet and uh, drag each other lovingly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um (laughs) she started it she started it okay (laughs) we meet and we each tell each other a story of a notorious woman she can be heroic or she could be horrific um she could be wonderful or she could be a trifling bitch or basic Mm -hmm. bitch like me um and uh we but we don't know what each 
uh, each one of us is going to share. So it's like we're telling each other the story of a notorious woman. And so, you know, so my notorious woman this week is Jenny Jones. Jenny Jones. Yep. Jenny Jones. I feel like that should be familiar, but I'm, you know, no idea. Oh, okay. This is good. This is good. When I get into it, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know who this is. Um, So uh, the sources for my story, for my information this week comes from a couple sources. Uh, Let me just adjust this mic. Okay. Uh, From uh, thethings.com, Wikipedia, her website, Jenny Jones has a, her website is still up and uh, various videos that were from Inside Edition. You remember okay, Inside wait, Edition? Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was like on Fridays at seven or something. I made that up. I don't know. Yeah, you but made I remember. Yeah, I did. No, that was not real. I know. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay. So let me get into it. So here we okay. go. So Jenny Jones was born Janina Stronsky on Ooh. June 7th. 1946 in Bethlehem before it was the nation of Israel and it was officially in the nation of Islam Israel excuse me was officially recognized by the (laughs) so many religions so little time I know um wait then so it was 1948 1946 so it was considered the British mandate of Palestine right right because my my family's from Israel so I actually know this really well and I like to brag about it. So there, I have bragged. I already knew that. Go on. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. And, you know, perhaps our listeners didn't know that. But right. um, it's, a, it's a fun fact. <laughs> so now she was born to uh, a dressmaker by the name of Zosia uh, Sophie and John Stronsky, a Polish army officer who was a, a World War vet and was with the British Armed Forces at the time of her birth. So that's why oh, she wow. was born in Bethlehem. Yeah. Okay. Now, when she was still young, her family moved to Italy, then to London, and then to Ontario, Canada. That in sounds like a good trip. I want to go yeah. on that trip. Well, it sounds a little, like, chaotic, maybe. Like, oh. because by she was born in 46 and then by 48 they had moved to italy london and then canada oh maybe maybe yeah. not maybe not yeah yeah it's a, it's a lot of travel with a small child it's yeah. a lot of travel with a small child and she um she's yeah so it's it, it, it sounds wonderful but it it only sounds wonderful when you're like taking these trips for leisure or you know it sounds like you never know girl maybe i just need a vacation it's possible (laughs) it could be that (laughs) but i suspect when i get into the rest of it you uh probably agree i suspect that um it was just out of necessity gotcha uh, for survival so uh now jenny she had an older sister who helped out in a store. So her actually after immigrating uh to canada her parents ran a bridal shop named sophie oh okay Okay. So these were like, I think we forget that the armed forces, unless you're like a high ranking officer, usually doesn't pay a lot, a lot of money. Yeah. Um. So and even then, it's not enough to always raise a family depending on what part of the world you're living in. So um, she so so they moved to Canada, 48, and then uh, her parents opened up a bridal shop and she and her older sister would help out, you know, in the store. Uh, while attending Catholic school. Um, And to make things a little bit even more complicated, 
John and Sophie's marriage was a bit volatile. Ooh, oh, that's never good. Yeah, and it eventually ended when the girls were 10 and 12. So, um, and then the daughters, the, the girls moved to Montreal, to Quebec, 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 I think Quebec. Quebec. Listen, I like to pretend I'm French, but like, I think it's obvious that I'm not, but I would be like Quebec. Quebec. But I would say I, Quebec because I'm American. Uh, and that's how we say things uh, mm-hmm. that we don't Wrong. know how to pronounce. Wrong. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the parents split. The girls moved to Montreal with their mother. And then the father moves away. Uh, the father actually stays there in okay. Canada, in Ontario, London, Ontario. So um, now Sophie, so suddenly on her own, raising two children on her own, Sophie was having a difficult time on uh, doing, you know, surviving dress, uh, you, you know, with as a dressmaker. Uh, she started, you know, a small business out of her home um, and by all by Jenny's account, her mother developed a drinking problem Oof. from the stress of it. Yes. That's and then, so you never know if this is a chicken or egg, you know, raising children is very, very difficult, uh, even to the most well-adjusted person, but particularly if you're having personal issues. Listen, so, I, listen, I don't know how I can't, I put so much on my husband. I am definitely not. Like, I'm not the mom that's like, no, 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 let me do everything. I'm like, like, I worked for an hour and a half today. I'm exhausted. Can you start dinner? Like, I, that is me. <laughs> so I do not know. Like, I'm so much respect for single moms out there. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. just tired. Do you know how much takeout my children would eat? I will, It would be a lot. It would be a lot. I mean, you know, I think that's why a lot of single parents, the children become very self-sufficient very fast. <laughs> You know, uh, which, you know, to be to be fair, that's actually good for them in the long run, but not when they're too young. And like, you know, it could it's I think the emotional stuff is a lot more harm uh, detrimental to young, you know, growing human beings than like the food or like, you know what I mean? Like take out or like whatever. My kids, the first thing they learned in the pandemic was how to make breakfast. Amen. Not, like I was like, good morning. It's been three days. I can no longer make you breakfast. You, I will make you snack, lunch, snack, dinner. I will not also make you breakfast. You got to do what you got to do. I was like, it's and too it's much. Good. And it's, it's good. good. And now like, I'll be like, go downstairs, make your breakfast and they can do it. Yeah. It right. teaches them, you know, um, but again, it's, I think it's the uh, emotional stuff that you know, that's really hard for kids sometimes that's, you know, so yeah, Sophie was having a hard time in the divorce and then suddenly being a single mom. Um, and so she developed a drinking problem. And then I don't know if this is a chicken or egg situation because then the girl started acting out. So you don't know if they're acting out because she's drinking and then the divorce, the, their dad not being around, or if the stress of them acting out and going through the divorce leads to Sophie's drinking. It's neither here nor there. It's both harmful no matter which one came first. Uh, So, you know, of this time, Jenny herself has said, quote, my relationship with my mother was painful as far back as I can remember, end quote. Uh, Yeah, she goes on to say she was, uh, quote, she was cold and distant. And even after my success, there was nothing I could do to please her, end quote. Wow. Oof. I mean, you know, this was before 
This was before people like a doctor would say, how are you feeling emotionally? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like now, like I'm old. So now when like I go to the doctor and the doctor's like, how are you feeling emotionally? I'm like, why? Oh, this is part of care now. But yeah. that was not part of care. And so, so many like problems, issues, things that could have been helped just got like, yep. oh, she just likes her drink. It's fine. Move it yeah. along. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So living with an alcoholic can be tough as a child. So yeah. at the age of 11, Jenny ran away Ooh. from home for the first time. Uh... Along with an older girlfriend, she managed to pass for 16 and worked as a waitress for a short time. I'm sorry, at 11? At 11. At 11? Yep. Wow. But then... 11? Um, okay. Yeah. So obviously her parents, you know, uh, whether they had issues at home, her mother and her father, you know, they cared about her. So, of course, they're frantic. Can you imagine right. your 11 year old child leaves nope. home and you have no idea where they are? Nope. Um, and so eventually she was found by the police and they returned her to Montreal. Uh, soon after, though, she and her sister started hanging out with the wrong crowd. And so, you know, getting into trouble. So her mother sent them back to live with their father and his new wife. Okay. How'd that work yeah. out? Well, mm. Mm. we're going to find like, out. Yeah. So, what do I think? It's not so, good. I think it's probably not good. Okay. Go on. So, of course, she butted heads with her new stepmother, Jenny, uh, uh, stepmother. So, she ran away. Er, she ran away for the second time, <laughs> this time with her sister. And they headed, but they were heading back to Montreal. Were they running back to mom? Not necessarily. I okay. think it was just going back to, um, you know. What they knew. Yeah. It's kind of like that thing. Because I, again, I, they're like, like preteens, te young teens. Like this is You know, scary. I think, I think of Stranger Things. They're probably running back to their, you know, hooligan friends. friends. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Hooligans. <laughs> How old are you? 70? Hooligans. I'm 79. Hooligans. Bunch, uh, hooligans. Get back in this house right now. What's okay. this tomfoolery with these hooligans? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, look at you and tomfoolery. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that term. Tomfoolery. You're like, who comes up with that? I love it. So, so, so they then run back to Montreal, but then their father soon bring them back to London, Ontario. Okay. Yeah. Now they're getting and, tours of Canada. Okay. Yeah. And the father was told by some of their friends back in Montreal where they were hiding out and like, it's just a mess. Like, it's just like, yeah. you know, the marriage is over and then the girls are acting out. And it's like, as soon as they get of age to be able to do things for themselves, they use it to like act out and run away. But they're still children. That's, this yes. is why teenage years are so hard because. Oh, God, I'm not looking forward to it at all. No, they're just I'm taking this enough. whole story very personally, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, that's I'm feeling that's what called I was intending. out as a parent, and I'm not really sure why, but no, don't call. You know, it's I teenagers, preteens and teenagers is so terrifying because, A, they make terrible decisions because their brain hasn't fully developed. No, but they're just big enough to get into trouble when mm -hmm. they get old enough to finally do for themselves. You're like, you think the. The parents can breathe, but know that and then they get just big enough to get into enough trouble Listen, to ruin their futures. Yes. 
no, listen, my husband's always like, oh, when they're old enough to like, and I'm like, no, it's only getting worse. Don't, don't look forward to that. It's going to get worse. And it's fine. I love them more than life itself. But that's just the facts. I have friends with them. So I know know what's going to happen. I know. Um, Now, of her childhood, uh, Jenny has said, quote, I didn't want to be with either parent and couldn't wait until I was old enough to leave. Show business was my only way out, end quote. That's so sad. I know. Now, to make matters worse, so her mother's drinking. Then she started heavily drinking while she was in high school, Mm. leading to her grades plummeting and even to her to starting to have blackouts. Wow. Do you know how much you have to drink Mm. to have blackouts? Listen, Lavetta, I actually don't have to drink that much. Like, I've never done it, but... You and me both. <laughs> I I get drunk, like, re- like, like, halfway through that first glass of wine. Like, all my friends are like, whoa, is this drunk, Miriam? Already? Drunk and I'm like, Miriam. Yeah, it's drunk, Miriam. Hey! You know, um, so, so not, not too much for me, but, you know. Yeah. Blackout. That's not Blackout good. drunk. So, um, now... When she was in her early teens, she started, um, she signed with a modeling agency and began oh. doing a little modeling on the side. You know, she's obviously, she's interested in entertainment as a way out, but also it's fun, you know? Yeah. Um, she also took up music and began playing drums uh, for several bands, which led to her eventually dropping out at 17 to play oh. in a band who was going on the road. Wow. Oh, 17. Dude, you're almost there. Just get your diploma. Just like get your dude. You're like four, like three months away. And then you could graduate. You don't even have to walk at graduation. You just need the paper. You know what I'm saying? And you know what? Her father agreed because he was like, "Mm -mm, not in my house. You don't. (laughs) So he told her, listen, it's either school or you ain't got no house, no place to stay. Mm. So she was like, deuces, bitch. Uh, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, I had a feeling you're going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So she left to go on tour at age 17 and um, a tour on Canada and the U.S. as a drummer in a rock and roll band. Two years later, at age 19, she decided to move to Los Angeles. Oh, welcome. But we all know how expensive adulting can be. Mm -hmm, So to make mm -hmm. ends meet. She worked a series of odd jobs, including at a a movie as a movie theater uh, ticket taker, as a hostess at a strip club uh, and a bunch of other side hustles until she uh, also landed. In addition to doing these other jobs, she landed a drumming job and a beer bar in Santa Monica. So she didn't sleep is what you just told me. Nineteen. Yeah, you got to keep going. Thank I mean, God I don't think energy. I slept when I was 19 either. Yeah. So now, now this last gig, the drumming gig in Santa Monica, eventually landed her a better gig with an all-girl band in Las Vegas. So she's like, you know, networking, meeting other people and other young people in a band. So by the age of 22 in 1968, she formed she also formed another all girls uh, band called the Cover Girls and okay. they toured successfully for 2 years even playing in her hometown 
So at 22, oh. she comes back as like, I what? made it, bitches. Like, I'm in a band. I mean, the cover girls, like, I, that sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't know if they had any hits. I don't think they did. Maybe they were like a local, locally successful band or like. Listen, she's already more successful than I've ever been. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to give this for to dropout. her. And it's not I mean, bad for right? dropout too. So I went to college and I never did that. So you know. <laughs> now around I mean, this time, you though, know, like PSA stay in school. Okay, go on. <laughs> P- yeah, PSA is cool. So um, now around this time, um, she met a man. Oh God, I knew you were going to say that. By the name of uh, no, it's not even that. By the name of Jack Howard Poster. Okay. Uh, it's not clear what happened to like what happened, but the marriage was annulled. Uh, she didn't divorce. It was annulled the following year. So I mean, they were probably bored and they were like, let's get hitched. I remember she's Catholic too. I remember she was raised Catholic. Does so she believe in Catholicism? Was she raised Catholic? She was raised Catholic, but I think around this time, you're kind of like learning, like, oh, that does, you know, the way you were raised, like, oh, that doesn't quite work for me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because uh, she married a few more times, so okay, I don't even then think yeah, that she's was... not, or maybe just like that part of the doctrine was not, you know, yeah, something maybe. she to worry about, you know. So the marriage was annulled to this guy, uh, Jack, uh, but then shortly, so, so she married, this is all happening around the same time, but then she goes on tour with the cover girls for about two years. Um, but then after the, that two years, the band split and then she married another gentleman by the name, a fellow musician by the name of Al Gambino. 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 And she settled in Las Vegas. Okay. So by now, she's an accomplished musician. She was discovered by Wayne Newton. Oh, okay. Who no offered kidding. her, yeah, who offered her a job as a backup singer and within a month appointed her the arranger for his backup vocals. Now, for those people who are not in the industry, Wayne Newton, I don't know a lot about Wayne Newton, but I know Wayne Newton's a big star and particularly in Vegas. Like, I was gonna say, have you he's seen the that Vegas show guy. Hacks? Have you seen that show Hacks? I I've seen the entire first season. So good. So so you know how Beverly in the show Hacks has all, so much fucking money that she has her own like yes like, yes I do pond in her backyard. Yes. yes, I do. That's how much money you can make from these residencies. So I'm just not sure why my residency hasn't been picked up on yet. <laughs> like I think they want like a specific like skill and I'm just like I'm just going to be on stage every night and then you're going to give me like a lot of money and it doesn't seem to be working my plan. Lavetta, well, I can't you, Can what? you sing? I mean, like everyone can sing and in that mm, realm no. I can sing too. Right? Because we all shower, hopefully. Right? And whilst in the shower, I mean, I sound whilst. so good. <laughs> yes. Because also Shakespeare, I can quote <laughs> soliloquies, <laughs> which I'm sure everyone wants to hear. Thousands of people a night. Oh my I don't God. see the problem. Well, um, I think you should wait on that residency. Why? Um I, because I think you have to do a little bit more than like shower singing. 
What are you talking I, about? Lavetta, I, I shower you, a lot. I work on this. Okay. I think you have to uh, be, uh, I think you have to be good enough singer for people to be, to pay money to come and see you. Like, so, how dare you? How I dare you? Listen, I okay. aim to drag all the time. <laughs> Did you not you hear and- me from earlier? I'm a basic bitch. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like you and everybody else. <laughs> Now, but I just wanted to convey like it's this is a big deal. And also one of the things about these residencies is that people love it, not just the big stars, but the people who work on these. It's like hundreds of people who are working on these productions. And it's like a steady gig that's creative. I was going to say for an artist, it's amazing because you can actually have steady, steady income. Exactly. Now, while working with Wayne Newton, her first marriage ended, um, but then she met and married her second husband, but Wait, third marriage. Third. Oh, right. Because annulled. Right. Yes. Got it. Buzz Wilburn, a record executive who worked for Wayne Newton's label. Okay. Uh, so they got married in 1973. Okay. So she moved back to Los Angeles with her husband and formed her own band, Jenny Jones and Company, <clears throat> excuse me, which played at local nightclubs like the Lobster House in Marina Del Rey and the Holiday Inn in Pasadena. Okay. So, again, this is not exciting stuff, but it's steady gig, especially for someone who dropped out of high school. I mean, she's been working steadily as a musician yeah. all this time, making her living doing that. I say that's rel- that's pretty impressive. I think, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Now, between songs, she entertained the crowd with humorous observations. And before long, audiences were requesting that she extend her comedy. Oh. Yeah. Now, in 1980, her second marriage ended, but with third husband. Uh-huh. So she decided to to seriously pursue a full-time career in comedy around this time. Because I'm assuming if she, even in 1973, 74-ish, she makes her way back to L.A. and she's playing like the Lobster House. And, you know, she's like, maybe the big time in music is not going to happen. So maybe let me pivot, right? Which is smart. It's always smart to pivot. Um, So she... Now, along the way, she's back to working odd jobs. And, you know, I don't know how much her ex-husband made. So I don't know how much if, if she got any alimony. Right. But, you know, you got to you got she's a single gal again. So she got to, you know, yeah. uh, pay the bills. So she took odd jobs. She tempt and she even found time to go on The Price is Right. OK. <laughs> yeah, love where that show. she yeah. won a sports car and six thousand dollars in cash. Oh Listen, that's amazing. No, we could just talk about this is amazing. Okay, she then went on the match game where she won $5,500. Okay, really? You know, I would lose like the first round. I'm just saying this is my life. Like I would be called up and I and I would just lose. I would lose my time. I'd lose my (laughs) dignity because it's being filmed and I'd make no money. Okay. Well, and I just want to say, okay, so that's around $11,000 um, in 1980. So that's around 39, so this is around $40,000 by today's Damn. money. That's life-changing. So, yeah, not, you know, that's, yeah. So because with her winnings from the match game, she was allowed, she was able to quit her job, her day job, and pursue comedy full-time, touring the country, honing her comedy skills, 
taking any job she can get. But during those days, she shared and, and during those days, she shared the stage with people like Jerry Seinfeld, Tim Allen, Billy Crystal, Sinbad and Bob Saget and many, oh many more. Because this is the early days of yes. like this is the early days of like formalized stand up where like you had that circuit, whereas before you always had, I mean, obviously you've had uh, comedy acts and stand-ups going back to the, you know, the thirties or forties and the fifties. But a lot of times they were, um, they were part of a variety show where you had singers and dancers and magic people. Um, The eighties is where that late seventies and the eighties is where like stand-up comedy as we know it today really was like, like exploded in a huge way. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, by, I think a lot of people will tell you that that's why people love, I mean, obviously, cause he's also fucking hilarious, but, um, uh, Richard Pryor, the release of his albums, cause before people would do like those, like, I don't know if you've seen my name is Dolomite, like they would do those party albums and they were release albums and they were going on smaller tours. Yeah. You know, and again, that again, started even in the thirties and the forties and the fifties, but like, in the nineteen late nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties is when you started having like like full on explosion of like comedy like stand up comedy throughout the country where a stand up comic can make live um, make a living just going around and doing like anywhere from like five to ten minutes to thirty minutes to an hour set and they just traveled around the country and they could make a lot of money. But also MTV and VH1 started these con- like these stand-up comedy specials oh, yeah. where you would see like, yeah. like uh, Rosie O'Donnell uh, hosting one and they would bring up like, at, you know, three or four comics and that kind of thing. So stand-up comedy has been around a long, long time prior to this. But in the late seventies and the eighties, it, I think it became like a big thing um, for the, the normal public. I, I was just, I, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, Eddie Murphy, you know, he was doing press for My Name is Dolomite. And he was talking about how like when he started, he was a teenager in New York and he was like, that was like the seventies and the early eighties. He was like, you have to understand there were like no clubs really like they, like that had like a stand up comedy night. Like he was like, there wasn't really a place to quote unquote work out because work out material. Cause he's like, they would like have one night a week where's in between like disco and like, you know, <laughs> other things like, yeah. you know, he's like that, it, that really exploded in the late seventies, early eighties, especially the early eighties. So she's like hitting. And, and I say all that to say is that she's hitting this, like she's in the sweet spot. Like her timing's yeah. impeccable for this, for her to start this. And that's probably why she decided to pursue it full time because she saw um, oh, this could be a thing for her to really uh, make money as like a unknown and then possibly hit the big time, which she did. So let's get okay. back to the story. So yeah. so she ran into she was on the stage with all these people. And um, and she said of this time, quote, we were all struggling comics back in the day. And the ones who worked hard and worked clean were the ones who made it in quote. So all this hustling eventually paid off. And you remember Star Search? Yes, I remember Star Search. (gasps) I lived for Star Search. So for the people who don't know, Star Search was like a variety. It was was like, it's basically like all of these. It was an early iteration of like The Voice, 
American Idol, but it had different kinds of acts. So you had modeling. You yes, had remember the modeling? They would just stand there. It you was had great. singing. <laughs> you had a group singing. Listen, so it was, it was like Ed, a. It was Ed McMahon. Yep. Let me tell you. Okay, let me tell you. First of all, little baby Britney Spears got her start on Star Search. Also, little baby Beyonce. Okay, yep. Star yep. Search. Who else? I was obsessed with Star Search. I was, and I knew, listen, I wanted to be in one of the acting ones, but they were always oh, that's like, right. They did have an yeah, acting category. They were not that good. Like the no. singers were like, look, if you're a good singer and you're hitting all the notes, it's great. But like the acting ones are like, Patricia, what's wrong? stop it, John. I don't want to talk about it. Right. And it was like, okay, that was fine. You know, the audience was like, whatever, you know, um, Thank you weird... for letting me go off on Star Search because I love it so much. But it much. was huge. And I think for like, you know, Zillennials and like even um, like millennials who are like on the younger, younger end, they may they might vaguely remember, but like it was huge. This is a big deal. And a lot of comics yes. and even and a lot of comics and singers, especially um, got a lot from being just being on the show and placing yep. like if they got yeah. to the, what was it like the semifinals and then the finals. Um, just to be on the show Listen, was huge. Fun fact: Beyonce did not win. She did she, not win. She went on, you know, but she did not win. I listened to a podcast about it. Anyways, let's yeah. move on. <laughs> so, so Jenny Jones did the whole Star Search thing and won in 1986. Ooh, she won prime the comedy. Star Search. Wow. She won a hundred thousand dollars. That's like $9 million in today's money. No, I'll tell you exactly what it is. <laughs> Maybe I exaggerate. Uh, I don't know. It was, so $100,000 would be, oh, no, where is it? Okay. I, I said mm -hmm. I was going to do this ahead of time. Mm -hmm. But um, you did it. <laughs> yeah, no, but I did it. Uh, yeah, see that? Now, why is it bringing up? Oh, do it's bringing up. you want me to Google this for you? No, I have a I, phone. I got it. Okay. I put in and I put in enough zeros. It would be two hundred and seventy thousand dollars. So a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. That's a house. That's a house money. Yeah. That's like a whole ass house. But not so, in California. Definitely not in California. Not in California. <laughs> I mean, it would have been then, but not now. Yeah, um, exactly. So this but not only that, it's like the exposure from winning. So this led to her being able to headline at places like Caesars Palace in Vegas, Radio City Music Hall in New York City, and even to be interviewed by Larry King himself on his TV show. What? Okay. Yeah. She has made it. So this is like really, really making it. It's like, it's like, it is like winning American Idol. Like it's, you know. She is Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, you're, she's setting it up. So now because of this, she, so like I said, she was interviewed by Larry King on his show and on 2020. Oh. So the 80s basically were like great for Jenny Jones. Like they were fucking amazing. She went from being like a, a, a once annulled and twice divorced <laughs> uh, former musician turned comic who won Star Search who started like touring. So that's after Star Search, she started making like, like real, real money, like big money. Yeah. And you can literally say that she made it. So, um, at, but after the, somebody saw her on the 2020 interview, cause again, that's huge as prime time. Um, she was approached by 
a WB executive who proposed that she do a talk show. A I knew it. Talk the Jenny show. Jones show. I yep. knew it. I didn't want to sound stupid. So that's why I didn't say that because I thought I was mixing it up. But nope, the Jenny Jones show. I remember it now. Okay. Yep. Okay. I'm not crazy. So this is 1991. Um, and again, the 80s were great for her. She's like, she's been like really, really successful comic. Um, I'm sure they probably even played around with maybe her doing um, uh, a sitcom because that's what a lot of comics did back yep. then. But for whatever reason, daytime talk show, that was the idea that uh, resonated with her. So, okay. Now, in 1991, she began the Jenny Jones show, jumping into an already crowded daytime field that was yes. dominated by the Oprah Winfrey show. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like my favorite. Thank you for yeah. asking. Go on. So it's like the Oprah Winfrey show. And then there's the rest of these shows who also had other success, but they just weren't as successful as the Oprah show. So um, so. Because of this. Jenny was sort of in that category of, I would say, I don't want to say B-list because that's, that's not really accurate. But like, again, there's Oprah and then there's all the other shows. Yeah. But because all the other shows were competing sometimes in competing time slots, they had to be a little bit more salacious. So they were considered tabloid talk shows. And that's something that Oprah kind of dabbled into, but soon pivoted, whereas like salacious talk and like if you look back at 90s stuff, you're like, it was fucking problematic. A lot of shit <laughs> in the 90s was yeah. problematic as it fuck. Was, it was not okay. It was that was on not okay. Television all day long and all night long. So And you think about the stuff that was on television at like 4 p.m. And mm -hmm. we there was no streaming. So the children would turn on the TV after school and see like people beating up other people on a talk show. Like, oh, I'm going to get to that. Oh, let's go. So, let's go. yeah. So that they were considered talk sh tabloid talk shows, uh, uh, shows like the Ricky Lake show, Maury Povich, Jerry Springer, Jenny yep. Jones, yep. you oh. know, uh, Montel uh, William, like uh, Rolanda, uh, oh, Sally yeah. Jesse Raphael. With like, the red glasses. Yes, the red yes. Glasses. So mm -hmm. it was a crowded field. And so you had to like distinguish yourself. Um, and so they they kind of like dealt in the uh, like the outlandish and the bizarre topics and incidents of like, so basically it was set up like the guests would be invited to be outlandish or bizarre. And then the, the topics would be outlandish and bizarre. And then the audience was encouraged to like participate. Um, okay. So like to react to what the guests were saying. Ah. So it just became like, that's, that's a tabloid talk show tone. <laughs> the way you're phrasing it sounds like a very, genial um, situation. And I don't think it that... wasn't. Do you like my use of the word genial though? I know I do. Don't I, I do. don't I sound smart? You sound smart. Thank you. Sound smart. Appreciate it. <laughs> I hope I used it correctly. Anyways. <laughs> so go well, on. It's not, I am using that because when I get to the reason that she's notorious, you'll see. So, okay. okay. So it, 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 this is the environment in which, she's entering this marketplace, this crowded field. And, but what set her apart is that a lot of people talked about how she, she had a bizarre lightheartedness 
in the midst of like this chaotic scene sometimes. Okay. And they even parried it on um, uh, Mad TV, uh, which TV. by Mo Collins did an impression of Jenny. Yes. Jones. So it's sort of like, she's sort of like, ah, like all this craziness, <laughs> like going on around her and, you know, it's the way it's her delivery it, it you know she it's probably a, it's probably a layover from her like her stand-up routine like her 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 shtick, oh, yeah her yeah, yeah, you yeah. know her persona her stand-up persona but yeah it was kind of light-hearted in in the midst of all this bizarreness so um but along with the formula of salacious and outlandish uh that came along um with these kinds of shows and the pressure to top each episode each week um some like Jenny Jones started going into the realm of um, of the salacious storyline that focused on, quote, surprises that may or may not uh, have their guests acting out. You're the right? father so, like that. Yeah, stuff? exactly. Yeah. You're the father or Jerry Springer. Like, no, that bitch did uh, it. <laughs> like, you know, like mm-hmm. I slept with your mama and your sister. And it's mm-hmm. like red here right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like trailer park. uh brawl or something right like do you know there's a thing side note there's a thing called the redneck rave i do not know this and somebody got impaled oh my god what yes there's a redneck rave i think it's in kentucky or someplace like that and apparently it's a thing it's been a thing for a while and yes someone got impaled and like 14, it, like somehow, it sounds like Jerry Springer gone wild. Okay. When I read like the top headline, like the headline from the redneck rave. And it reminds me, this is basically the precursor yeah. for the redneck rave. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's the setup. <laughs> you're like, what the hell is going on? Anyway, yeah. so back to the story. So again, it's. So her 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 show, along with other shows, started going into like, how do we surprise the guests or shock the audience? So, again, it's all about audience participation. Right. As well. OK. So um, the, her show kept pushing the envelope of this, along with other shows, but her show in particular. So in the third season of the show, <laughs> like what did she do? Go on. Decided to. So the producers decided to run a segment on secret crushes. Oh, God. So on an episode called Same Sex Secret Crushes taped on March 6, 1995. Ooh, a man 95. By- okay. 95. We I don't think we were there yet. Were we there yet? Was we society? Ah, were- uh, you'll uh, see. Okay. So on March 6, 1995, a, ma- a man by the name of Scott Amendur, who's 32, okay. confessed his crush on his friend, John Schmidt. Uh, Schmidt, 24. So okay. Scott comes on. He's an out and proud gay man. Okay. And he and John, his friend, who by all accounts is a straight man, were friends. Okay. But, you know, the uh, the producers that called them ahead of time and set all this up and da da da. So right. when they talk to uh, Scott, Scott, you know, he was the one that's confessing his crush. Uh, but when they talked to John, they didn't tell him. They just told him someone has a crush on you. So they brought him on. But that's so. okay. go on. No, go ahead. 
What did well, you I'm do? just thinking like now we know we have to script the reality show. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. John, your your friend who's a man has a crush on you. Do you want to go get famous? And he's going to tell you. And he, John's like, yeah, let's get famous. And that's how you do reality shows. This you know. is the problem with the fucking 90s. The Taking- 90s, the society in the 90s was a dick. I'll just say it. It was I'll a just dick. put it that way. Yeah. It's a fucking asshole, really. So we know this is nothing. Scott uh-huh. is a lovely man. Totally. You know, he's friends with this guy. Is not, you know, he's coming on the show again. And then also, they would crush. lure. It's, it's a crush. It's just a crush. And they would lure people in for the promise of like free, you know, airfare tickets, uh, hotel stays. All and right. a free trip. It's a free yeah, trip. to L.A. Destination. And that's another thing about these tabloidy talk shows is like they trafficked a usually they usually used, you know, a lot of the guests, especially in these salacious topics are like poor working class people. So mm-hmm. the promise totally. of a trip is like, oh, they're going to fly me out to L.A. Like I'm going to be, you know, yeah, I'm going to be like, a TV star. Yeah, like it's exciting yeah. if you're from a totally. small town. Like it's so, so exciting, right? So again, Scott, 32, confesses crush to his friend John on air. Okay. Um, And when you watch the tape, it's so weird because when you watch the tape, it's harmless. It's cute, actually. You know, okay. the audience, you think it's going to go like, if it had been on Jerry Springer, it might have gone violent or Maury yeah. Povich, but... It, it's actually kind of cute, you know, um, everyone's kind of blushing. Uh, John is laughing. It doesn't seem like a big deal. And the audience is like, ooh, but then the audience, because again, it is 95. So the audience, right. there's some members of the audience who are like, oh, it's just a crush, right? Yeah. So, but later on, John would say that he felt humiliated by the experience. Okay. And again, while on the show... John is reacting with laughter, you know, like, aha, he didn't tell me. Oh, why don't you tell me? I just saw you. Da, 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 da. Three days later, after the, sh- the show's taping. Yeah. John killed Scott. Oh. <gasps> yeah. Why don't I know this story? You know oh this story. God. I must know this story. I There was something in the news, but oh, my God. I guess he I killed them. What the fuck? There, I'll say him. it. What the fuck? I'll say yep. it twice. Um, I don't know what else to say. How horrific. Yeah. Now, during the trial, the ethics of these tabloidy talk shows were called into question, um, with critics blaming the pre- the practice of humiliation through ambush that a lot of these shows tra- trafficked in. Scott's, you know, that's yeah. correct. And I fully They're agree correct. with that. But I also think... The homophobia is oh, yeah. that level detrimental. So if anyone who is homophobic and listens to us, which I don't think can exist, but if it is there, that is why, right? That is a good argument because this shit. Because homophobia is dumb. It's also stupid. It's fucking And stupid. let me just yeah. say to straight men, straight <laughs> cis men, let me just say, I'm talking to you Go y'all. ahead. Go ahead. And I hope y'all listen to this. The mm-hmm. ones who have been listening to this don't need to hear this, but tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Most straight cis men ain't good looking enough for gay <laughs> men to be after y'all. <laughs> gay men's standards of appearance are way oh. higher mm-hmm. than cis straight women. <laughs> 
Since straight women are take your your uh, Quasimodo looking motherfucking face and be like, I can fix him up. Gay men ain't got time for that. No. Gay men have mm-hmm. options. Yes. They got options. Mm-hmm. They ain't got to quote unquote trick you into nope. turning gay. Mm-mm, mm-mm. They nope. got way, they too busy getting laid and having yeah. way more sex oh, than yeah. you are having. A hundred percent. They don't need to trick you. You're nope. trifling ass. They, you are too crusty. <laughs> you are too crusty and ain't cute enough for mm-hmm. a gay man to try mm-hmm. and trick you. So this this fear y'all have about a gay man <laughs> coming no. after you. Gay men get way too much action to be wasting their time with you. Only us dumb cis women who are attracted yeah. to cis straight men are like, are going, okay, fine. Yeah. I can clean him up, take him to get his 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 uh his his toenails that are the size of knives cut. <laughs> Get his teeth done. Get him some whitening strips. Okay. Get him a haircut. Take him to Marshalls and get him some clothes. You know, only we yeah, are simple exactly. enough and dumb yeah. enough to be like, we can work with this. I can work with this. Like, give me society have told us a year. I can do this. Yeah. Because society have, have brainwashed us into thinking that, yeah, mm-hmm. we can fix it. But a gay man, Mm-mm. he ain't got time. Nope. To be dealing with your crusty ass. I'm just going to say that. So Listen, I just want it. That's a I side feel note. Like that is all that they need to understand the situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Don't worry that, about it. You're not. Gay that men cute. are not scoping, scooping on you. Mm-hmm. I think I think the fear is that and this is homophobia, homophobia because it makes no sense. Like the fear is that, oh, they're they're scoping on you the way you scope on women and being skeezy and grimy and you know no gay men ain't got time for that okay you're the skeezy one it is it is a compliment if you are straight man if you're a cis straight man and a gay man finds you attractive that's the highest form of a compliment you better be bragging to that everywhere okay yeah. yeah it doesn't Anyway, there's nothing wrong with being queer. There's nothing wrong with being gay. So stop it and suck it up. And again, again, most gay men, they stand as a way too high that you don't meet. Yeah, no, it's a only some dumb woman be like, yeah, I I, I guess so. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Let me see if I have a brush in my purse. Hold on. Yeah. Gay man ain't got time for you. So I said all that to say. So let's get back to the story. So yes. So, so that happened. Yeah. So John killed Scott. Jesus. Okay. Um, and so again, during the trial, the critics were just like, Yeah, this is bound to happen because you set up these scenarios and yeah. you know, people who were struggling with mental health or who are just hateful might snap and this might happen. So um now Scott's family lawyer said of the producers that the irresponsible people who are beholden or answerable, that these people are irresponsible people who are beholden and answerable to no one. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. Now, the show that they met on never aired, but you can find it on YouTube. Um, and now of the trial itself, Jenny herself said, quote, as much as we all regret what happened, the fact is this is about the actions of one individual, end quote. Uh, You're skirting it. You're skirting it, Jenny. Nah, nah. 
Now, I mean, that's what she has to say, I guess, you know, to protect the show and, and sure. what have you. Yeah. Um, in the end, John was convicted of second degree murder and received a sentence of 25 to 50 years in prison. Because he murdered somebody. Yeah. Like, I understand. Here's the thing. I think it's two separate things. I think the shows suck. You like that that mentality, that ideology of like gotcha television and 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 using a poor class of people to lure them with, you know, with a trip, with possible with possible fame. People love that. And then throw throw something at them on national television is not good. Get it? Yeah. But also murder is not good. Like Yeah. It's don't not good. murder. Okay. Yeah. And a little bit more about this, too, because, OK, so he was convicted and then the Scott's family, the, the murdered man, his family sued the producers of the Jenny Jones show. Yeah, I would. So they went to civil court saying that they should have known about John's history of mental illness um, in interviews. Jenny and um, Jenny said the producers told John that his his admirer could be a man. But that John thought that the admirer was a woman, his his fian- his ex fiance actually. So she's saying, "Oh no, but we we did warn him, and you know." But it's like you have to be more responsible. Um, you know, it's we still live in a homophobic society. Yeah, but especially do. in the 1990s. Um, yeah. you know, this again is about the salaciousness of it, and it's the got you kind of thing. And so, um, so Jenny also said that the show didn't want John to know about the uh, outcome of his secret crush. Um, this is again, all during the, 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 um, the civil suit. Okay. Um, and that, but Scott's family said that they, the producers should have been aware that John might react violently due to his, you know, his struggles with mental health, but even just to consider it, even if it, let's take away his, his, uh, his struggles with mental health, even just in that environment of the mid 1990s. Yes. You have to consider that, right? You really do. So um, now the judge, the jury and the judge must have agreed with Scott's family because they won. um, uh, They won an award of $25 million. So they sued the, the Jenny Jones show and won for $25 million. Wow. I mean, but, but later, uh-huh. The verdict was overturned by the Michigan oh. Appellate Court. Oh, uh, really? Yep. So they got nothing? They got nothing. Despite the despite this notorious incident, the Jenny Jones continued for another eight years. Sam, okay. Until 2003. Oh, we're in the 2000s already. Yeah. So Scott, uh, I mean, John was... Uh, actually released from prison in 2017 so okay. uh now afterwards she continued on jenny continued on uh as the public forgot about the tragedy that a man lost his life an innocent <sighs> man was killed um she went on to like i said continue hosting the show she wrote an autobiography in 1997 uh and she even uh survived this horrendous scandal now ratings yeah. in the early 2000s did begin to wane um and the public was losing interest in the drama of these kinds of tabloid shows kind of started to dissipate a little in society i feel yeah eventually the show was canceled in 2003 
now, after the end of the show, she turned to her turned her focus to philanthropic endeavors, especially in the advocacy of, of cancer research. Um, but she had started uh, doing this uh, early on in her life um, because back in 1981, she had undergone silicone implant operations, breast oh, implants. Oh, yes. I remember. That left her with firm and asymmetrical breast. Uh, she later had the, them removed in for an expose for People magazine. And she talked about like just going through that process of how horrendous it was and, you know, just women's health, um, especially around that kind of thing, you know, because yeah, we also know sure. the 90s were all about the, the boob job, too. Yep, sure was. Um, she then went on to establish the Image Foundation as a resource for women seeking information about implants and support with body image issues. Okay. In that's yeah. In 97, she wrote an autobiography, Jenny Jones, semicolon, my story. And it was published with a hundred, a hundred percent of the proceeds going to breast, breast cancer research. Um, she became an honorary chairperson for the Susan G. Komen uh, for the Cure, Chicago okay. Race for the Cure, an annual event that raises awareness of money for breast cancer research. She also donated a mobile uh, mammogram motor coach to John H. Stogger Junior Hospital of Cook County. Um, in 2005, after the show, she established the Jenny Jones Foundations, the Foundation as a means to provide assistance to those in need. Her primary areas of focus were education, women's health, and improving communities throughout the country. In 2008, that's, she that's great. Go on. Yeah. yeah, she established the Jenny's Heroes, a program where, through the foundation, she um, gave about two million dollars of her own money to individuals wanting to make a difference in their local communities. Um, she's also written a book, a cookbook, oh. um, called "Look Good, Feel Great." And she also donated the proceeds for that. Uh, most recently, she she has a, an official website, JennyJones.com, which al uh, which also houses links to her cooking website, JennyCanCook.com. Um, she has a YouTube channel and another website, Jenny'sHeroes.com, which is which she launched in 2008, and it features stories of anonymous people who positively in impact their communities. Now she has no plans thus far of this taping to return to television okay. and again focuses mainly on her philanthropic work um cooking and sharing healthy recipes on her websites and giving back um now on her website she um she says quote giving back doesn't have to be monetary I'm blessed that I can share my good fortune as well as my love of cooking, benefiting lives any way I can, end quote. And she currently lives in Los Angeles with her fourth husband. All right. <laughs> Dennis McCallion, who works as a film location manager. Listen, fourth time is a charm, I always say. I um, know. So that is Jenny Jones. <laughs> what but... a fascinating person. I got to say that she like... It's like she's lived several lives. Yeah. You know, and I like what happened and that whole gotcha television. Like, I don't like it. I can't back it. But like, I don't think it needs to define her also. Do you know what I mean? She's done a lot of good. Well, you know, um, I feel like it's 
it's it's such an important story to tell. Um, and I think they've had a documentaries about it because it's not just her. Obviously, it happened on her show and the tactics that her producers used, uh, again, right. were common. Like, you know, it just reminds me of that Jerry Springer ish. You know, the Jerry yes. Springer is like the the the. I don't know, the animated, ridiculous version of it. But then actually seeing what happened on Jenny Jones is so terrifying because, again, when you watch the video, and I highly recommend listeners to go back and watch the video, it seems fine. Also, too, she is in an environment where all these other shows are doing exactly the same thing. And so, what exactly and what happens and so when you're trying can, to one up each other, right? Yeah, like I can see where and also like if you're not homophobic, like I like look, the tenor, the 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 way the world was in the nineties was unsupportive overall, yeah. right? Um yeah. I like I, I remember that time. I rem that was when friends were like coming out to me in like tears and it was hard. And, yeah. you know, you know, now we're like trying to raise children where it's not a coming out. It's just a, it's just like, Oh, Oh, you wanted to ask a boy, not a girl. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Not everyone is on that page, but it is much more common than it was then. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, a lot of people are still having 1990s experiences around queer phobia um, and homophobia right now in 2023 mm -hmm. in certain parts of the country yep. depending on where you live and you know and actually it it like when you watch it's so surreal when you watch the video you're like oh this is cute like you know john seems a bit embarrassed and shocked but you know what's so fascinating is like what happened in those three days I like mean, and I, he, I suspect I mean, it's it's hinted at that his father, John's father, was extremely homophobic mm. and the the goading and the bullying and the, you know, the dragging, as we would say nowadays of his father uh, and perhaps other people around him were also homophobic, got into his head. Yeah. And he had to prove, reassert his manhood, quote unquote, whatever that is. Right. Um, and do this. But it is so surreal knowing what happens that he kills this, this, you know, this beautiful soul who was Scott three days later. But when you watch it, I highly encourage people to go and watch the YouTube video. It's like, it's so shocking. And, and, and it happened. I mean, I know like you, what you were saying about Jenny, like it was, you know, it was like of that, it was in the environment in that element, but it happened on her show. I mean, let's, well, let's call a thing I, a thing. Listen. It happened on her show. Um, and I understood, you know, you can understand like, you know, there's a public, we don't know how she feels about this personally. Um, there's the public things that she said, obviously, in the court case. And, you know, part of that is like to cover yourself legally or what have you. But I, I have oh, yeah. no idea how she feels about it personally, but it is horrific and it's definitely a notorious thing. So that's I, why I, I wanted a, to bring her up. I have a feeling she's horrified just looking at like she I mean, she does. She gives money to communities to build stronger communities. I, I feel yeah. like I don't know. I'm putting ideas into putting thoughts into people's heads. Who knows? I mean, I would but. hope that it's it's you know when she thinks of that, it's uh, she's horrified, and then you know she's been trying to make amends, you know, for it. But um, it's I mean, who knows? But it it is like when you think about it, it's just so. But and again, I want to put it in context. The '90s were crazy, like yo, with this 90s, kind of stuff. Let me tell you. Can I tell you a story? 
Oh, so sure. The 90s were crazy, right? And so, and that was like, I was in high school because I'm old, you guys. And, um, <laughs> and like, li- like mid 2000s, remember MySpace? Yeah, Tom, <laughs> cool. So Tom. I'm on, I'm on it. And, and there's some thread and the threads were short. You couldn't do a lot of threads on my, but it was something came something about gay rights. And of course I posted a thing that like in my heart summed up why gay rights was a necessity and thought all the world would understand it. Uh huh. So, um, I'm doing my duty as a good citizen thinking everyone's going to be like, oh, good point. Thank you, Miriam. You've solved all the world's problems. And I would be like, you're very welcome. But instead, you know, hilarity ensues as as it was as actually expected. And one of my old friends from high school says, well, gay was invented in the 90s. Oh, God. See? And here's, here's the thing. He was genuine. And I remember Are you looking. Kidding? No, I'm not. And I remember looking at Sal and being like, "Oh my god!" Like, I because like when I have to like break things down and I'm really emotional about it, I get like overwhelmed. So that's when I call in Sal and he can like calmly. And he did. He wrote like a 12 page explanation about humanity on on MySpace. Um, you know, just to be like, it's part of all of humanity. It's in all of the animal kingdom. What like, but that was a genuine thought because that was around the time I think society was like, we're done here. You know, I yeah, and I think I think that's a good story that responds by I'd be like, I'm clearly surrounded by idiots. But anyway, um, <laughs> oh, that like is, yes, what a, there's that. one of the thoughts in my head. Uh, but like that does kind of put it in context for our listeners who are not familiar with the 90s. Like people really thought that like, I mean, there's dumbasses who think that now like, oh, yes. you know, uh, gay queerness and transness just started now. You're like, like yesterday. Fuck up. Like, yeah. Like, so it's <laughs> if you it's could just open, really, really if you could open one book. That would be great. Anyways. Oh, God. If you could just. <laughs> not be a fucking moron but um yeah so it's i mean but it's it 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 is important to put it in context and but i just wanted to share that and that is what makes her notorious that's my notorious woman jenny jones so who do you have this week i have lisa marie presley oh now okay i want to preface this that i got much of this off of wikipedia um, and I probably don't know enough. Hashtag not historians. Um, but I felt that I couldn't not talk about her. Yeah. And this is sort of personally because I sort of started looking her up and I, like, I remember watching like the Elvis movie in like 1987. I'm making it up. It was at some point in my childhood. And like, I remember when like the baby was born and that's like all I sort of new and so i was very curious and she's lived quite an interesting beautiful life and i want to talk about it please so are we ready yes i'm ready so she was born february 1st 1968 the only child of singer and actor elvis presley i think we all knew that but i'll say it anyways and uh and priscilla presley is her mother 
Um, she was born nine months to the day after her parents' wedding, which I was like, okay, on target. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, in the in Memphis, Tennessee. So when she was four, four years later, her parents divorced, um, and she moved to Los Angeles with her mom. Um, and her mom started a clothing store. I didn't know this. Um, I didn't that, either. And it was very popular at the time. Um, and then, so her mom took up with a man named Mike Stone. Um, she, I think she'd been taking karate and he was one of the, the senseis. Did I say that right? Yeah. One of the people teaching karate. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. One of the teachers. Yeah. One of the teachers. Um, Which means sensei. Oh, that's just the word. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know that. Sensei is teacher. Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. Sensei means teacher. Listen, this is why we're friends. Thank you. Um, And okay. So then in 1978, Priscilla had a six-year intermittent live-in relationship with model Michael, Michael Edwards. Now... So this, I, this is oh. interesting how phrasing can work. So if you look up the Wikipedia page of Priscilla Presley, this is what they say. She had the six-year relationship, intermittent, quote, from Priscilla Presley's Wikipedia page, quote, until he began developing feelings for the teenage Lisa Marie. Lisa Marie was aged 10 to 16 during his relationship with her mother. Ew, ew, yeah, ew. Yeah, yeah. So on Wik- on Wikipedia, on Lisa Marie's page, says that she was reportedly sexually abused by Edwards when she was a teenager. Um, <sighs> she said that he would enter her room intoxicated and was inappropriate with her. Okay, so in no way was any of that Okay, you can't fall in love with the child. You can only hurt them. Like, she was 10 or she was 16. Either way, no thank you. Ew, ew, gross. Disgusting, awful. (laughs) And it's just, you know, I will say it's crazy that Elvis Presley, who, you know, again, black people, because rock and roll comes from black people, Yep. In America. Uh, we don't call Elvis the king of rock and roll. That's white I, people doing no, that. Um, yeah, no. uh-huh. <laughs> but by all accounts, Elvis was um, very talented, extremely successful <laughs> musician, yes, yes. like an icon, a legend uh, in American society, American treasure, all that stuff. Right. So the fact that Elvis's daughter could be in a situation where she's abused it's just so crazy like it it, it really is and and i you know listen i children are so vulnerable no matter what they really are and that's the thing people blame themselves they blame but people weren't it's so it's more common and people weren't talking about it very common there was like and also movement like later much later too late also, where it was like, I just oh, heard, let, yeah, go on, go on. Well, I just heard this thing and they were saying, um, uh, oh, I think it's Paul Holes. He was saying that, you know, about true crime and all this other stuff. He was saying like people just were not. It was like, you know, predators have been around forever and there's yes. been a lot of them forever. But people were not aware right. that there's so many of them until recently. And, and so, by all accounts, Priscilla was very much a hands on mom. So. 
you know, like, I don't know. Also because as a mother, you don't think, I mean, I think everybody's a child molester, but I'm paranoid. Um, But like you're in a relationship with a grown ass man and you don't think a grown ass man is because it's a natural should be attracted to your 10 year old daughter. Yeah. No, you shouldn't. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what's like, listen, I worked for the YMCA and if you work for the YMCA, you are trained to look out for these things and Mm. you also get a lot of statistics. So now I wrap my children in bubble wrap and I put them, (laughs) you know, in a cage, which also you shouldn't do. So I don't actually do that, but you know what I'm saying? But I err um, on the side that everybody's a child molester. That's you should do that. Like that's that's what I'm telling y'all. Yeah. And I don't have no kids. And I just think everybody's a child molester. Uh huh. Uh huh. Don't trust that. I don't trust anybody. Um, Oh, poor thing. So, so that, so obviously he was kicked out. Um, so when she also, was, not- is he still alive? I mean, if I was Elvis, uh, I have to send some goons over there to to handle that. Oh right, but saying. you know, like, oh, I don't know. Like back in the day, they didn't handle it right. They just, I don't know, I don't know. I like again, Wikipedia hashtag not historians, but like <laughs> all the love for her to like talk about it and be like, no, this yeah. happened and it was wrong. Like, yeah, um. So her father died in August 1977. Like, I guess the world already knew that, but I'll say it again. She was nine years old. She became joint heir to his estate. Oh, with her... yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, yeah. I... So if, if he, that's why the guy thought he could get away with it because Elvis had died already. Okay. Now, okay. Now I understand. Oh shit. I didn't connect, but you're absolutely because I right. I was thinking like, why would he even risk like Elvis working yeah. his back? for touching his because, little girl but elvis had died okay gotcha what a son of a bitch asshole yeah that's predators for you i don't like predators lavetta i don't like them you know how i feel about them mm-hmm. i mean some some motherfuckers need to be killed burn just, them okay like, I, really I have no qualms about that. that yeah i'm fine with that Mm-mm. yeah Mm-mm. what did i say sometimes when i write this out i like write thoughts and i said something like Burn him. Yeah, I did. I said, I have zero tolerance for this shit. Less than zero. Fucking burn them. That's what yeah. I said. Because that's how I feel. Yep. Okay. So she became joint heir to his estate with her 59-year-old grandfather, Vernon, and Vernon's 87-year-old mother, Minnie Mae. So this is just a random fun fact, but I enjoy it. In the late 1970s, a year or two after her father's death, she attended her first rock concert when she saw Queen at the Forum in LA. So that she's like, you know, 10 or 11. She gave Freddie Mercury a scarf of her father's after the show and expressed her love of theatrics. So, I mean, so cool. Aww. Like she hung out with Freddie Mercury as a kid. She had good taste. She liked Queen. Queen I is know, right? a bomb. You know, first I time did. I heard them on the black radio station, I could have sworn oh, yeah. it was a black group singing, another one bites the dust. <laughs> another one bites the dust. <laughs> I love that. That's also really fun on the Just Dance video game, which I play like a lot. Anyways. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Um, on October 3rd, 1988, she married a Chicago born musician, Danny. Okay. I cannot say this last name cuff. And she has a child who is an actress and a model Riley cuff. Who's I think quite well known. Um, but I don't Can know you how kind of say it. How, how do you, it's, okay. I'll spell it. It's K E O U G H. Your turn. Cough. Cough. You know it as well as I do. No idea. 
I don't know. But um, nice guy. So they had two children, Riley, uh, born in 1989, who's an actress and a model now, and a son, Benjamin Storm, uh, born October 21st. Now I'll just cut to the ch- 1992. I'll cut to the chase. He died very unfortunately of suicide Aww. at the age of 27 uh, oh. in 2020. So awful. So yeah. Um, it's so sad. Um, so she, <laughs> she then obtained a quickie divorce in 1994 on May 6th. So, she actually stayed close friends with him her whole life, which is, I think, very, very cool. Um, so there's like there's like some stuff she did with the with there's the Elvis Presley Charitable Foundation. It was formed by Graceland Elvis Presley Enterprises in 1984, and it was sort of designed to continue. Elvis was very generous. He did a lot of community service. He he would spend his money to help others. And so they wanted to continue this tradition and honor his memory. Um, and it says that the EPCF was overseen by Lisa Marie Presley as chairperson and the management team of Graceland Elvis Presley Enterprises. But she was 16 in 1984. So I think it was like an honorific thing at first. Yeah. Priscilla probably Pro- did a yeah. lot of it. Yeah. yeah you know, I think so. Mom, so. Like you, you don't want 16 year old Miriam chairing anything or being like responsible to do anything, honestly. Um, also, so just got to throw that out there. It's so much pressure because she's Elvis again. Elvis is huge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, people listening probably know that, but like to be the only child yes. of such a mega star, and she looks like him too. Yeah, she does. She really does. You know, she she's has that beautiful. that famous sneer. Yeah. Um, and she looks like both of them, actually. And and, and um, Priscilla is a very uh, beautiful woman. So uh, I know this is a very handsome man. So she she has good genes uh, as far as in the looks <laughs> department. So um, but that 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 kind of pressure, like I can't even imagine. like, I, And then I, losing your daddy when you're so young because you obviously she's a daddy's girl and then she loses him so young. And then her sexual abuse starts shortly after that. Yeah. Like. She yeah. like it's funny because I was like, oh, she has all this money and she's famous, and you're like, oh, it must be nice. But honestly, that's that's quite a bit of trauma to to overcome. And she and you're the only did. child too. Like I, yeah, I feel you like don't sometimes have siblings, siblings to like yeah. help talk it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like she doesn't have a peer really. No, you know, because even if she has cousins and stuff, they still don't know. Like if she had like, you know, siblings, like you said, it'd be, yeah, that's at least different. she could have someone who would understand exactly what they were each going through, even if they deal with it in different ways, but yeah. it's a lot of pressure. It's true. It's really true. So in 1993, she's on her 25th birthday. She inherited her father's estate. So her mother, this is like all about her mother. Her mother actually did a bunch of cool things to uh, grow the estate to a hundred million dollars. It, it actually wasn't at first, but they did things, but that's for another day, but good job. Yeah. Um, yeah. In 1998, she became more closely involved with the management. Um, and, uh, because I mean, she's no longer a child. And until February, 2005, she was owner and chairman of the board, uh, 
this is in regards to the Elvis Presley Trust and its business entity, Elvis Presley Enterprises. Um, Then in 2005, she sold 85% of the estate's business holdings to something, CKX Incorporated, I think, um, which excluded Graceland itself and the property within it. Smart. So, right? And then, then this is very cool. So Presley Place opened to its first residence in 2001. So it was there to provide homeless families up to one year of rent-free housing. Um, It had child daycare. uh, They had career and financial counseling. uh, They did family management guidance. um, And they had other tools and things to help them break the cycle of poverty, regain self-esteem, gain independence. Um, And they also, I love this, uh, created the EPCF, the, okay, so funded by the EPCF, I can read, I swear, is the <laughs> Elvis Presley Music Room, where the kids at this place uh, had access to musical instruments and instruction and uh, participated in special related programs. So they, they also created the Elvis Presley Endowed Scholarship Fund at the College of Communication and Fine Arts at the University of Memphis to assist students majoring in areas of the arts. So like that's, that. that's yeah. like badass. Like, yeah. I love the arts. Help I was in band, by the way. Like, did you know that I was in band? No, I did not. What I, instrument did you play? Girl, I love to talk about it, um, but I don't talk about it that much because I used to talk about it a lot and my husband makes fun of me. But that shouldn't stop me, honestly. I played the alto saxophone. Ooh, look mm-hmm. at you. Fancy, fancy, fancy. I, I was a section leader. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I may be, I may be peaked in high school. It's possible. Um, <laughs> okay. Saxophone is hard to play. It's actually not that hard to play. <laughs> oh, okay. But thank you. I was trying to help you out. I know that. I do and lie know that. to our listeners. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I really appreciate that. <laughs> okay. So on May 26, 1994, 20 days after her divorce from Kif, her first husband i'm so sorry you guys uh she married michael jackson i don't have to tell you who michael jackson is it's michael jackson you guys um but her ex-husband's younger brother was an official witness at their wedding which that's that tells you how close they stayed um so she first met Michael when she was seven years old in 1975, and he attend and she attended one of his concerts in Las Vegas. So, according to a friend of hers, uh, quote, I, I just as a friend, their adult friendship began in November 1992 in LA. So this was around the time the child molestation accusations became public, and he became increasingly dependent on her uh, just to help him emotionally. And she was very concerned about his faltering health and his drug addiction. And this is a quote from her based on Wikipedia. Hashtag not historians. He, she Wait said, a minute, I'm sorry. When yeah? Michael, the Michael Hive will drag us. Okay, so when you it. said drug addiction, what? Because it hasn't been documented that Michael was addicted to drugs. I, I other I, than the um, I think it might sleep. My my guess, my guess is sleep stuff. So this is again, this is on Wikipedia. Go yell at Wikipedia. 
you can yell at me too that's fine um i'm not gonna pretend i know anything because i michael jackson hive will drag uh they are passionate and i myself am our am our i am a huge michael jackson fan as well as um jackson's in general uh, cause I'm a black person in America. Uh, but like, uh, <laughs> Are you? Just kidding. like they're just amazing. <laughs> but like, you know, my issues around the whole thing, the, you know, the charges and things, that's a personal thing and I won't get into it here. Uh, but I will say, cause I just wanted to clarify that because the Michael high will drag us. What like, I will say is that I've us. never, I've never heard, oh, don't dox me. I've never heard a Michael Jackson song I didn't love. Oh, That's just, what I will say. And like, yeah. I have like in a dance class where we did man in the mirror and it was like the most powerful, beautiful performance that nobody ever saw. It's fine. Um, you know, like music can change the world, you guys. Um, and that's like all I have to say about that. Um, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. So we, we'll, we'll just go past that part. But I just wanted to to clarify because I don't want us to be dragged by the no, Michael no, no. Hive. Cause... I mean, listen, I we we don't know. We like we could have. Yeah, feelings, we, still do, yeah, we don't yeah. know anything. Yeah, so... we still don't know anything. But I just want to say because even I was like, we're I'm like Michael was a dick. Because when you say addiction, well, people are like, oh, is he on cocaine or like? And it's oh, like, no. no, I was no, assuming no. that meant the the. The sleep stuff with sleep um, stuff. listen, um, I had and you to know get what we mean when we say once and it like has a yeah. good night's sleep. I won't the sleep stuff. The stuff that uh, Conrad Murray was administering that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just wanted to clarify because oh, again, that, I that want is, okay, I know Michael Hive mm-hmm. to be like, we will dox you bitches. You are going down because we, I am, I can't speak for Miriam, but I'm a huge Jackson fan just I mean, in general. And hashtag off the wall is better than thriller. I'm going to just say that. Whoa. Just say that. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, but thriller, listen. Yeah. Okay. No, thriller's amazing. All amazing. his stuff is amazing. But off the wall is my jam. Okay. 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 Girl right. free. But- <laughs> Listen, again, I, and we listen to Michael Jackson. My house, my kids love him, too. <laughs> like, yeah. So but I just wanted to just clarify. I just want to step in, clarify. So, OK, but go ahead. I'm you sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. She did, though, marry him. And so there is information about that. Um, yeah. So she didn't believe she, she's her quote is, I, I believed he didn't do anything wrong and that he was wrongly accused. And yes, I started falling for him. She says, I wanted to save him. I felt like I could do that. Um. And then she, she said, it says, hashtag not historians. She tried to persuade him to settle out of court and to go into rehabilitation to recover. And it says he did both. Now, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, oh, yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's, I don't know about the, the re- rehabilitation because, uh, you know, icons and celebrities of that status a lot of times rehab is like a rest rehab as well yeah uh, more so yeah. than like a substance abuse rehab but like yeah I, I i think it was settled and then um he probably took a break so yeah i mean that's the thing is like this is what this is what wikipedia said but i like i feel like the world followed him so closely that if 
that it was probably what we're assuming is, you know, when he eventually passed, um, that and that he needed a break. He probably did need a break. Yeah, he's been famous since he was like, what, eight? Three years old. Like this child. We can't get like, that. I just <laughs> three, but like I know. Like, but essentially. The yeah, the Jackson five. No, he's a baby singing he's a and baby. dancing. He's so talented. Okay. So gorgeous. So, he's a gorgeous baby. I know. Okay. So she was in his You Are Not Alone video in June 1995. Um, and in January 1996, citing irreconcilable differences, she files for divorce. And there was like a he said, she said about like who filed first. I don't want to get into it. I don't know their business. Like this, you know, like I want to like analyze people's businesses. But like, this is not, I'm not worried about this. This is fine. They got divorced. Who cares? But that's like, that's like, sometimes it's like about optics, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine though, if they had had a baby? Oh, wow. Michael Jackson, like Jackson and Damn. Presley blood. Like, in Could one you child. like the talent that yeah, would come out? Man. Like my wow. God, yeah. like just, and gorgeous. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, me too. No, no pressure on that kid, though. I know, right? Um, okay, so she told Oprah in twenty in a twenty in a twenty ten interview that she and Jackson had attempted to reconcile uh, back intermittently, like for four years after the divorce, and she would travel to be with him. Um, so I think they stayed they stayed close. It says after his death in two thousand nine, she was reported to have felt shattered. Um, oh yeah. Quote felt oh. shattered. Um. So so let's get into this little thing here. So like many many cool ass famous people. So she spent some solid time in Scientology. Uh huh. No, I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't either. I know, right? Um. So her and her friend and this is what this is how they phrased it. In Wikipedia fellow Memphian. And Scientologist, because from Memphis, see what I did there? See what yeah, they I did there? Did. I didn't do anything. I see what you did there. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Isaac Hayes, they opened the Literacy, Education, and Ability Program, LEAP, uh, in October 1997, which is run by Applied Scholastics, which is definitely a group run by Scientologists. Um, so I Googled that, and it is it is Scientology for school children, essentially, um, probably now on a list that I maybe regret by looking it up, but you know, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, exactly. everyone's watching, right? Like that's how it is. Yeah. Um, so for her efforts to help us children learn study skills, she received the humanitarian award from the church of Scientology. Um, it's no lies. Let me start that again. So she received the human humanitarian <laughs> award from the church of Scientology supported world literacy crusade on January 5th, 2002. Um, and she received it from Isaac Hayes, Chaka Khan and Yolanda King, who is the daughter of Martin Luther King. Um, the world literacy crusade is regarded by critics as a front group for the church of Scientology. Um, so then on September 26th, which is my birthday, so I accept presents that are nice and like chocolate. Anyways, <laughs> uh, of that same year, she addressed the U.S. congressional addressed a U.S. congressional hearing 
in opposition to the use of medication in treating ADHD. So I think Scientology has a stance on, I don't know if it's all medications, I think some mental health stuff. I vaguely remember something about something. Yeah, um, I don't know. Although ADHD is, a, is, is just a, a, a function of how the brain works. Um, she, okay. So addressing the committee as the international spokesperson for children's rights for the Citizens Committee on Human Rights, a group also run by Scientologists, she expressed her view that parents should be informed about alternatives to drugs so they may make, quote, an informed decision about their child's educational and medical needs. Okay, so here's what I will say about this. I think sometimes maybe we think we're doing the right thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and it's misguided, but it's out of love. I think it seems to me just based on what I've read that she she had her heart was really about helping children. She really wanted to, she did things that was above and beyond for them. And I think she probably read some things given to her by some Scientology friends that made her fear what was happening to children. Um, but I don't think it's- You're giving good. her some grace that- I'm, gonna, I'm giving her some grace because it. I just feel like she is someone who- has always kind of come from a good from a good place, yeah. You know, and so and I and I've, I you know I not as I'm not famous, so I've not you know had a chance to mess you know mess up huge. But like, I have done that where I think, oh, this is bad. You can't do this. You're going to hurt people, and then you realize, oh, you're actually protecting them. You're actually saving them. Um, yeah. And she left Scientology in 2014. And she had been experiencing growing discontent with the organization as far back as 2008. So we're not going to know, you know, she, she kind of let that go. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're not going to dig deep into Scientology. Um, but I'm glad she left. <laughs> That's what I'll say about that. Yeah. And it's like, it's like you said, you know, you get a, as you get older in life, you realize we all make mistakes. And like, sometimes what's that saying? No deed, no good deed goes unpunished. And so sometimes, cause, cause, cause you, could you imagine the people at Scientology? They were like, Elvis's daughter is a member. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Like, let's go. You know? Yeah. And like, and I've, I've heard like all of the stuff, all of the dark stuff that's surrounding uh, or dark rumors that are surrounding yep. Um, Scientology, I've been told again, I don't know how true this is. Allegedly, the, you know, the stars are not privy to like the dark elements of, you know. Yeah. The, and, and, you yeah. know, and they're giving, they're given what they're given. Yeah. You know, which is, it's, I mean, I think it's really sad. Yeah. Um, but she, but she left. left. She yeah. left. So she yeah. was like, peace. Okay, so let's go on. November, I'm going I'm going back and forth. You know how I do. Yeah. 1998, she was engaged to a musician 
dude named John, but she broke off the engagement because she met Nicolas Cage at a party and then they got married. Oh, and that's then, right. I know, right? I forgot about this. Married August 10th, 2002. Then they filed for divorce November 25th, 2002. And then the divorce was finalized in 2005. Four, sorry, 2004. Um, and then she, so here's the, here's what I will say. And this is why I give her grace. She joined Oprah Winfrey and her angel network was active in the relief efforts after Hurricane Katrina devastated New Orleans. She, she gave a helping hand in Memphis. She was there. She showed up. She did. She donated money, but she also don't. She was there. And quote from her, based on Wikipedia, she was said, "I'm here because I definitely needed to do something, and it just so happens this is where I'm from. I'm going to do everything I can. People need help. This is a huge catastrophe, and everyone needs to stand up." Um, yeah, she personally amen. shopped. She searched for. She distributed truckloads of goods to people. Uh, then, then January 22nd, 2006, she married for a fourth time to Michael Lockwood, um, a guitarist. Her, it was, he was her guitarist. He was a music producer and a director. Danny, first husband, served as best man at the wedding. It was held in Japan. Then she gave birth to fraternal twins. Okay. Cause I have twins. So yes, <laughs> we're the same. Okay. Uh, Harper Vivian and Finley Aaron. And then, in 2011, she became a patron of the Dream Factory, which is a charity based in London, which grants uh, wishes of terminally ill children and those with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. So this is my point. She was always looking to help children, like, however she could. You know, it's um, so interesting. I just want to, you know, it that her whole experience with volunteering in um, uh, Nashville, was it Nashville? Memphis, 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 I'm sorry, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I feel like this is when they say sometimes, especially if you have a lot of time on your hands, a lot of, you know, resources, like really helping others and like looking outside yourself can be really helpful to keep you focused and on track. Because yes. yes. it sounds like she had the, the heart of, you know, uh, and, and she was a philanthropist, but it's like, Sometimes you get in your own way if you with your own shit too much. And so it's good to like go out and volunteer and like yeah. and that can really kind of keep you on. Um, it, it sounds like she needed a little bit more of that in her life. Um, and don't marry Nicolas Cage. I, even I can tell no, that's, she, that's, that's yeah. probably not a good idea. Mm, she ran screaming. It was fine. Um, <laughs> She got I don't know Nicolas Cage. I'm just going mm -hmm. by what I observe mm -hmm. from afar, but uh, don't that seems like a good idea. Not, not really. No. Okay. So on June 24th, she was honored. Even by though the, Raising yeah. Arizona is one of my favorite movies of all time, girl, I've never seen it. I, <gasps> seen it. I know. Oh, blasphemous. But Peggy so Sue got good. married. I'm obsessed. One of my favorite lines in cinema history of all time is. Nature and the prejudices of others had conspired to keep us childless. <laughs> Directly from oh Raising Arizona. You like sound <laughs> like him. Oh my God. That's amazing. Okay. I love it. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> it's okay. So, 2011, June 24th, she was honored by the governor of Tennessee, Bill Haslan who proclaimed a day of recognition for her charitable efforts. Two days later, she was issued a certificate of proclamation by the mayor of New Orleans, Mitchell J. Landry, is French. I messed it up. 
Anyways, he was the mayor. Uh, in recognition of her dedication and contributions to the city. So she did a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, so then she divorced him in 2021. That's fine. Okay. Point is, I'm skipping to the music career. She had a whole ass music career, like a whole, whole music career. Did you, did you know this? I did. But again, her father was Elvis Presley. So let's be clear. I am never up to date on anything. So if you're like, how did you not know I love her so much? I don't know anything. Like, unless you're in the Just Dance video song. So like, I know some K-pop and then some like Katy Perry and I love them. Okay. But so I'm educating myself right now. Listen, I listen to a lot of her music. She's not, no surprise, I guess, but like fucking talented. Um, Oh, so good. And how brave it is to she is to do that like to go out there create this music do her thing um she released her debut album to whom it may concern uh april 8th 2003 um it did well um she got beautiful reviews calling it a stark uncompromising tone and Presley's gutsy blues edged voice has a distinctive flair. This was the LA Times critic Robert Hilburn. So Pat Benatar and and Presley f- performed at the VH1 Divas duets. Do you remember those? No, I never. And I love me some Pat Benatar. That's my girl. Listen, they sang Heartbreaker. Yes. Really? And then she, she performed that a lot in her own tours. Then her second oh, album was I have called. To look that up on YouTube. It's good. It's so good. Um, now what was released April fifth, two thousand five. Um, she likes releasing things in April. I see that. Um, there's uh, there's like a bunch of stuff. Y'all look it up. There's the song "Idiot." I thought was funny. Is a jab towards different men in her life, um, which was awesome. She was in a documentary "Too Tough to Die," a tribute to Johnny Ramone, who was one of the Ramones you guys like look that up that's like music education for you very important (laughs) um she was in the music video for Johnny Cash's God's Gonna Cut You Down in 2006 um and the single In the Ghetto was released August 2007 so Elvis Presley had originally released that single in 1969 in the new version Lisa duets with her father the, the video was released with the single. It reached number one on iTunes sales. iTunes sales were a real thing in 2007, you guys. Okay, I, that's how I bought my music. I'm old. <laughs> still, I still want to. Um, and there's so much I'm skipping because you can like look it up and listen. So her third album is called Storm and Grace. It was released May 15th, 2012. Um, she calls it, this is a quote her, it's much more of a rootsy record, organic record than my previous work. Um, it was produced by Oscar and Grammy winner T-Bone Burnett. Um, it's so good. Like, it, there's a lot of like great critical re- reviews that love it. Like critique, not critical, like in a positive, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, critical reviews. Critically, ooh, I got, critically I got, acclaimed. Critically acclaimed. That's what I was going to say. Yes. Um, 
So, and then in 2018, she was featured on the title track of the compilation Where No One Stands Alone, which was a collection of her father's gospel songs. It was reworked into a duet between her and her father. So another one. And then a music video for the song was released and she incorporated scenes of her and her father in it, which makes me cry, you know. Yeah, that's sad. Speaking of crying. Sweet. Which we probably all know on January 12th, 2023, Around 10.30 a.m., she passed away at her home in Calabasas, which was, she was only 54. It was, uh, they say, a cardiac arrest, which is, you know, heart issues in women, something that people should take seriously because we we don't, we don't, it, it is a very real risk for women. Her a last public appearance was two days before at the Golden Globes, which she attended with her mother. And that was where, as far as I know, like the Elvis movie won a bunch of awards. Have um, you seen the movie? I haven't. I don't know. I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of over. Um, I know they, you know, the, the state approved it, but I'm just kind of over. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's <laughs> I, also you, I know yeah. not to be like that, but this guy's not even American. Isn't he like Australian or something? I'm like something like that. Yeah, not to be like that because a lot of us and, and Australians and Aussies in particular, I think, do American accents really, really, really well. Um, Guy Pierce is one of my favorite actors of all time. Uh, but yeah. like, but then Baz Luhrmann did. I, I heard it wasn't like I heard it has that Baz Luhrmann is to it so yeah that's a little bit why i haven't seen it yet i, I don't and i heard tom hanks's uh colonel uh the colonel who's his manager <laughs> heard that performance is very odd <laughs> i could see that just from the sentence you just said yep i could see that being odd yeah yeah but i but i actually have a couple friends who really like the movie a lot so it's i mean don't don't listen to me. Go and watch it yourself. <laughs> no, I like. mean, it just won a crap ton of awards and it's yeah. very well renowned. Um, so that is Lisa Marie Presley. It's like a 50th of Lisa Marie Presley. So there's, you know, she lived just such a beautiful and prolific life. Yeah, she, but 54. Oh. It's too young. It's just too it's young. too young. It's too young. Heart. Poor thing. Um. Oh man, it's so sad, and also because knowing her father died so young, and you know, and and then Priscilla, her mama, living, I know, living her baby. Gosh. But she, you know, you you see them. They're, I don't know. They're they're holding strong, and they're they're keeping her spirit alive. I don't know. I'm very and sentimental. How many, how many children did she have? Four. She had four children. I really hope it's four children because. I think it's four. She had two with her first husband and then two with her last husband, twins. Okay. But only three have survived because she lost three her. But three survived, yeah. Son, I mean. Uh, one of her sons. But, um, oh, that's terrible. But, I mean, it's that's what we're here for, like, to have. I, I it's, it's almost interesting. It's almost like if she had been, like, sent away, as, like, not away, but, like, kind of put in a bubble from her father's legacy in a protective bubble where she was protected and not sexually abused. Um, But like in a bubble, I wonder if she would have had a better chance because like 
being like looking like your father too like i almost wonder like if she looks so much like him like i wonder if she like look you know sometimes you look up people's kids and they look nothing like their parents or they look a little bit like their parents and they're able to carve out their own identity that's separate from like a a parent who's like larger than life i Um, I gotta say though like her she kind i feel like she kind of did both you know she did do like the duets with her father she did but then she was also she she kind of especially her last album was really all her and there there are like quotes you guys you can look them up like where it's like this was the most lisa marie like this mm. was the this was her and i and i listened to that album cuz i was as i was like researching and i just like put it on and it's really like I don't know. It's its own thing. It's really beautiful. It's not even music I would generally listen to. But I mean, honestly, like I like musical theater. So, you know, I don't want to throw away my shot most of the time. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. You um, got to get that Hamilton quote in there somehow. Day. Oh, I can't <laughs> help it. I think every episode I've said See, it. I know you. I know uh-huh, you. Uh-huh. But like, and so I was like, oh, cool. So I like recommend listening <laughs> to her stuff it's on apple hashtag i'm just kidding but it is on apple music um and that is lisa marie thank you so much for um sharing i i'm i didn't i learned a lot today a lot of that stuff i didn't know some of it i knew but just by her virtue of her being um elvis's only child but um thank you so much for sharing that um and that wraps up our Another episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Guys, remember to share us with your friends and family. Copy the link and just send it to them. Don't tell them about it. Send them the link, text it, email it, send it via pigeon, however you need to do it. Uh, Just be like, here. Falcon. Mm, Yeah. I like Falcon. Send it. Send it to them. Um, Also, please leave us a five-star review in the iTunes store that helps people find us. It really, really helps. Um, and Miriam's going to tell you how you can contact us otherwise. I mean, like I am, I can't find it. Found it. No, I didn't find it. All right, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I should just know it, right? And yeah. Yet, here we are. Okay. We have a Gmail. It's notoriouswmpod at gmail.com. Uh, we have... I found it. It IG? is notoriouswmpod at gmail.com. I was right. We also have an IG. You guys follow us on <laughs> IG. It's Notorious Women Podcast. I'm having a great time without Lavetta on this IG. She doesn't want to be on the reels, but I'm like having a lot of fun. So please like follow me. Yeah. Like- Mira is afraid that she posts something about black women mm-hmm. uh, or women of color and mm-hmm. She's a white lady on there, and people be am. like, "Who this white lady is?" Right? Who this? Who? And then they say like, "Who this white lady is?" That's how. That's how black people be like, "Who this?" Right? <laughs> like, exactly. And I'm like, I'm just trying. She won't do anything. It's not that I won't. I'm just very busy and like. I know. You I know. You're so busy. Works. I'm like, I'm can you like, just? You're like, no, I actually can't. <laughs> it's like one other thing I have to do. Like, I mean, I mean. Listen, I have never had more fun having to deal with this yeah. IG You're having account. a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun cackling at the stuff you're doing. I know. <laughs> like, so well, follow us, uh, comment, uh, tell us what you think. Also, send us 
you know, uh, suggestions of yes, ladies that you want to hear. And this is uh, just want to reiterate: this is all inclusive. We are woke. <laughs> That's I know word. that word is bad, uh, but we believe in being inclusive. Um, we uh, cover. You know, we're going to be covering uh, queer women, trans women, non-binary, non-binary. No, I think we'll skirt away from that unless we have a non-binary host comes on. Yeah, because I'm open. I'm open. We're too too simple, cis women, so we got to play in our lane. (laughs) Yeah, but sometimes, you know, we got to open open the lane. We got to mess it up badly and then we got to fix it. I don't know. Like... So we got to get better somehow. And we're going to do that. We mean well, even though, again, I can only speak for myself. I can be very basic sometimes. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, it's okay. And I am not allowed to agree with that statement. (laughs) So that's where we're at. All right, guys. That wraps it up. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.